Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. We're joined by Swim Swam Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Braden, what's going on over there? I am ready to take on Michael Phelps in Pickleball. <laughs> the, the, the next celebrity PPA Tour Pickleball match will be me versus Michael Phelps, and I will win. We're scrapping Swim Swam. We're starting a pickleball website. It's the only thing I will probably ever beat Michael Phelps in athletically, but I will beat him. <laughs> we, we're going to get to that in a little bit. We are also joined by senior international Swim Swam reporter Loretta Race coming to us from the bluegrass state of Kentucky. Loretta, Hello. what's going on? We're about to find out. <laughs> we're great answer. And with that, let's get That's into what we do here at the swim swim breakdown. <laughs> let's get into some swimming news. Uh, so the one of the most interesting stories to me was that the 2023 World Championships will be held in November uh, due to due to weather in Qatar. Essentially, it's going to be really really hot in the summer. Too hot to hold an indoor swimming event. I think the same thing is happening this year with the the World Cup of Soccer. They're pushing it back to way later so that the temperature is actually livable. Uh, do you guys see this diluting the 2023 World Championships, having it be, what, eight, nine months out from the Olympic Games? I think it's going to be really interesting. I think the ISL has a big decision to make. I know I know the joke is, ha-ha, the ISL won't be around then. <laughs> But Constantine seems to be willing to continue to fund it. So I guess we have to assume it's still going to be around. So they're going to have to make a big change, although this opens up the whole summer for them. So maybe that's great for them. I I think there's still too much pressure from federations to go to long course world championships um, by and large. And most of these athletes are still funded by their federations. I, I do think that eventually swimming is going to get very frustrated. So we're in May this in 2022, we're in November in 2023. I think swimming people are going to get frustrated by the challenge that FINA is making about building the rest of the swimming calendar. You know, we saw so many conflicts this fall, even um, some of the British university swimmers had to leave the ISL to go swim their British meets. If we're going to come up with a world where all of these meets can coexist, there has to be some predictability to the scheduling, even if the the world championships are a priority, if everybody else is going to be able to build their swimming worlds around it. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I feel like these are professionals. They need to be able to adapt and the schedule. Yeah, there needs to be some kind of logic to it. But I don't think it has to be downright, you know, black and white consistent every single year to year. I mean, because even and we'll get into it, but even this uh, 2022 long course world championships, now the Australians don't have to go. So and that's in the summer. So it's like there's always going to be exceptions. There's always going to be swimmers that aren't going to make it depending on whenever it is in the year. And with it being closer to Paris, I actually think that's kind of a good thing because I feel like it's it's a closer stepping stone. People will have to be more on their A game sooner and they're already on kind of a, a warped time schedule as it is so i actually think that's a good thing aren't you worried though that um you know organizations like the ncaa that dump tons of money into this colleges dump tons of money into training not only american swimmers but everybody else's swimmers that they're going to get frustrated um and and you know it, to me there's a there's a problem if you keep watering down the world championships, so if, if the Australians don't go to the world championships this year, all of a sudden this whole thing about, oh, swimming only matters once every four years at the Olympic games, 
the Olympics become even more prominent from the rest. You know, now or, or previously in every recent previous quad, we at least had those two world championships that were a little bit of a lightning point for the sport. Um, but now it feels like, God, it's the Olympics. It's once every four years that we get all of the best swimmers in one place. And I think that's bad for the sport. I would agree that it's, I mean, it's not great to have one in May and then one a year and a half later in November, uh, <clears throat> especially, but it, it's such a weird quad anyway, right? Because it's a triad or whatever you call it. <laughs> I am curious as to how USA swimming specifically is going to handle this. Like, what are we going to do in July and August? When are they going to have the trials? Will they send a full team to Pan Ams in 2023, which I assume is like August ish. That's when it usually is. Um, what well, do you guys- we, we have to remember that this is usually the world championships where USA swimming picks the year before based on the, the combination of pan packs and nationals. And they don't have that option as much this year, unless they're planning like a late summer 2022 selection meet. That would be bizarre. But it's not I mean, like there's nothing going on in the summer though. I mean, there's always Marinostra and there's always, you know, the, maybe the world cup will move and shift over the summer or like, you know, before November. I mean, there's going to be other racing opportunities. It's not like there's going to be this barren wasteland. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's long course. For but in, in terms of selection, when, when is USA swimming going to select their 2023 world's teams? Yeah, I, mean, I think, Okay. I like the, I like summer. the sprinkling. I like the sprinkling of meats option that we're going to talk about with Australia. That's I'm down with that. I mean, I think it, it's, if USA Swimming wants to get experimental, I certainly think that would be the time. But I I doubt their ability to or their their willingness to. Um, <laughs> but like again, especially for US Swimming, usually we have one pro swim a month, and then a trials meet, and then a champs or so, you know something like that. And so it our style of racing is very different than the rest of the worlds, which I, I like the, I prefer, I much prefer the rest of the worlds cause they race a lot more. Right. It would be really cool. Like you said, if we had the world cup series leading up to the 2023 world championships. Yes. That would be my vote. Sophina get on it. <laughs> uh, so that seems like a great time to segue into these new uh, world championship qualifying standards that Australia is implementing. Loretta, can you take us through those? Yeah. So basically Australia, um, Rowan Taylor, head coach swimming Australia. He was there before Tokyo took over from Jacko Verheeren. Verheeren. <laughs> Someone correct me. The, who went to France. Um, but basically he's just saying, okay, long course world championships, 2022, the elite, not naming names. Okay. We're assuming Chalmers, Titmus, you know, McCowan, McEwen, the big ones. We're assuming he means them. They can actually bypass long course world championships and it doesn't have to be a meet on their calendar. If they don't want to prioritizing Commonwealth games as the major championships essentially for them. So there are going to be Aussie world championship trials in April. Okay. So that is still kind of you know, the big time meet um, for world championships where the top two will be selected. But in addition, it's not um, Aussie specific qualifying times as it has been in the past. Now it's, they're actually going off the FINA A standards, which, you know, Australia basically has never done. It's like then Japan, Great Britain, a couple other nations make really stringent standards. Yeah. Like really, but I feel like Aussie Britain and, and Japan were like really, really strict, really, really stiff standards 
um, that sometimes breaking a national record still wouldn't even get you on the team. <laughs> um, and so for Commonwealth Games, so then anyone who goes to World Championships, that qualifies as a Commonwealth Trials meet. The final Mare Nostrum stop is also a Commonwealth uh, Games Trials meet. And then also the Sydney Open, which is in June. So that's why I was talking about the sprinkling of meat. So there's not just one commie trial. They can kind of, you know, kind of pick and choose where whatever they think they're going to peek at for their training or what they want to taper for, you know, try again, you know, and it's, it's based off of those meats. But the key thing is primarily they're not going to use Aussie standards as well, which is, you know, that's a big thing, but obviously not having to go to world championships is that sends a message. I mean, like Braden was saying, I mean, are we probably, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a big meat typically. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, I understand why they're doing it because the 2022 is such a weird year. Um, but it still bothers me, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, maybe that gets you the best team for the Commonwealth games and, and that's one goal, but I think who's going to, I mean, you're not going to, you're going to confuse your audience. If you're looking at it from a financial perspective, your audience isn't going to follow six different meets for qualifying your mainstream sports audience, the way that they would show up, watch a meet and say, first two guys that touch, those are the guys that are going. Um, so I, I think it's a little confusing. You know, I think this is swimming Australia's recognition of the fact that a lot of their big name swimmers are clearly either not in the water or just getting back in the water. You know, Kate Campbell keeps posting about how she's so happy not pushing herself to her limits, which is, you know, from a mental health perspective is, is good that she's found something that's good for her. But if she's going to continue swimming to Paris and be useful to the Australians, she has to get back to, you know, big time, full effort training. And if we're looking at April, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and as some of our commenters pointed out, the, the key for the swimmers here is that this has given them a workaround to the retirement rules in Australia, where basically you don't get your medal money if you retire, um, which to me is one of the dumbest rules. I, I guess I also understand that, but it's one of the dumbest rules in sports. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a weird year, I guess, everywhere. And maybe we all just need to accept that 2022 is a, a year to try different things and um, we can all get back on track heading towards L.A. Would you guys like it if the U.S. had a selection process like that for one of the for I guess it would be for the 2023 World Championships? Uh, I I just love how the drama sounds of that, yeah, how of every meet totally, you're building yeah. up closer and closer to like, OK, well, these people are in. Oh, well, these people just got knocked out at this next meet. I, I understand why we only have one trials and I understand the why that's good, but that sounds so much fun to me, especially in kind of this off weird limbo year. It sounds, yeah. it does sound fun to an extent, but we can see that our audience gets exhausted by those kind of things. Like even mm -hmm. world cups, they get, they lose interest at the end. You know, I think the, the average swim fan has a fairly short attention span. Um, and I, I'd rather see some other method of rewarding that kind of a system. Like, you, you know, like a points leaderboard that, gets you a, a national team spot or something to that effect. I think that would be a fun way to do it. Um, just make we were just saying, but, but we were just saying we don't want swimming to be a, a quadrennial sport. So why not have something totally wholeheartedly invested in these 
meats that are sprinkled in in between. You know what I mean? Yeah. Viewership, sponsorship. It, it get your teeth into those meats and have something at stake that's humongous. Yeah, maybe, but but money always gets people interested too. So just give bigger prizes, and then people will care more. Okay, but the prize money has to come from where, Brady? You know, it's all tied together. If you don't have sponsored by French Seventy Five Boutique, we're just going to fund all of the prize money for the next year. Those poor swimmers. All right. Well, that's enough of uh, of serious swimming talk. Braden, tell us about Michael Phelps playing pickleball. So Michael Phelps is built for pickleball because he's <laughs> his length is in the upper body, right? Like he's a he's a tall guy. And so what's unique about pickleball versus other paddle sports is there's a protected area in front of the net. Basically, you can't just run up to the net and slam the ball down at your opponent. And so for longer people like Michael Phelps and like myself, this gives you a huge advantage because you have a much smaller window in which to put the ball. Because a lot of the strategy is basically hitting the ball low enough that your opponent can't hit the ball downward at your feet. Um, And so, you know, that Michael Phelps should be a good pickleball player. Whether or not he's been practicing any pickleball, there's no evidence of it. Um, the beauty of pickleball is that it's a sport that you can become, I don't want to say good at, but you know, if you have any semblance of athleticism, you can play a game of pickleball after about 15 minutes of practice. You know, it's not like tennis or basketball or something where you've got to practice it for a little while to become sort of competent in it. Um, I is think Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, has he practiced or played? Or? I don't know, but I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to be real good at pickleball because he's also <laughs> very long and is an actively training professional athlete. Like he's not retired. Um, so I my edge is to Larry Fitzgerald and my professional pickleball opinion. Um, is it one-on-one or are, are they going to be paired with people? They're going to be paired. The tiebreaker is singles if it comes to it. Um, okay. so they're going to play like a game of mixed doubles and then a game of men's doubles. Doubles is the, is the priority event in pickleball. It's sort of the opposite of tennis that way. There is singles <laughs> pickleball, but doubles is the, the one that people aim for. That's the sort of the bigger of the two events. I just like the Art Deco graphics on your racket. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Designed by a guy named Aspen Kern from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Love it. Yeah. So, and who's got questions about pickleball? Right, you guys. <laughs> is that a jersey? Are you wearing a jersey? Or no, this what is, is actually a kickball jersey. This is a jersey <laughs> for my old kickball team. I was the captain of the the city of Houston kickball champ, four time kickball champions. So of the, of the street. Or of no, the city of Houston, Loretta. <laughs> Six million people. We were the best kickball players in town. I just so, I didn't believe it. <laughs> so is this just celebrity matches or is it a tournament? It's celebrity matches at a <laughs> tournament that is has both professionals and amateurs. Okay. And pickleball is growing within the swimming community. I played pickleball with Madison Cox's mom at Olympic trials. Um, and there were a few other swimming people that showed up to play. One of the, the Toyota guys, the poor Toyota guys who was there activating their sponsorship for trials, popped his Achilles off in the middle of the pickleball game oh, during the Olympic God. trials. And when I say popped his Achilles off, 
you could, you know, he thought he had been shot in the back of the foot. <laughs> like his, his, you could see his Achilles knotted up in his calf muscle. It was, uh, it was gross <laughs> and, and unpleasant for him. I hope you didn't like foreshadow something about Michael Phelps with this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pickleball, not for the uh, light of Achilles, I guess. That's it's just funny because the av- the median age of a pickleball player in this country is about 58 years old. So <laughs> this guy was young and very fit. Dang. So, yeah, there's risks to playing pickleball. Hopefully, hopefully Phelps doesn't pop his Achilles out as well. But again, he, he is retired. So, I mean, would it make that much of a difference? Who knows? He's got three young boys. You can't hobble <laughs> around with three young boys. That's, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, so we have to recognize Phelps was also in the news for, for an actual, uh, interview that he did with CNN. He talked about a myriad of topics, including, uh, Leah Thomas COVID. Do, do we really think that Phelps's opinion matters, uh, in, in the swimming sphere in this day and age? I, you know, it's an, that's a really interesting question because, there's you can get like real existential about this and ask your, yourself like why do athletes matter for anything why do sports matter and we've kind of all accepted that sports matter in this strange hodgepodge of a, of a culture that we've built um so you know these are questions of sports so i think his opinion matters i don't know if he has the grandest opinion in the world you but you know, Michael Phelps is in a rare class of athletes. You could argue all day about who the best ever across all sports are. And it's always a stupid argument because football (laughs) and swimming and pickleball are all very different sports. Um, But, you know, he and Novak Djokovic are both in that elite company. And so to me, you know, Phelps's opinion on infectious disease, maybe he's not a leading authority on infectious disease. He is a leading authority on being a role model as an athlete and and having people look up to you. And he didn't always do that very well in his active career. Um, But, you know, I think, I think his, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to hear him unpack more about athletes responsibilities as a role model, given where he was during his career and what he's doing now with the mental health space. Um, and, and basically trying to present himself as a role model to young athletes via his work with mental health. Um, I, I think it would be really interesting to have a candid conversation about how he sort of reconciles those two parts of his life. I, I just think to the mainstream, he will always be American swimming, at least for the very foreseeable future. Or um, even American Olympics. Yeah, you know, yeah. So- yeah, so he's like the go-to opinion when it comes to anything related to swimming, which, you know, the the one particular thing was, uh, subject was, um, I just think it's funny that they always go to him and not Ryan Lachey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and yeah. I know. I just Ryan Lochte has more controversial opinions about COVID that he might share. I know, but the thing is, Ryan... I feel like he wouldn't be as canned in his responses. Correct. You know what I mean? It would like be Ryan way would more have, entertaining. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Michael was very, very measured, very, you know, here's the script. You know what I mean? Ryan would totally not do that. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, who also, by the way, wasn't always the best role model when he was an athlete. Right. Yeah. You could but say that trying, a lot of people. <laughs> trying harder now. Yeah. 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 
I Loretta, I love the point you bring up that like, he just is American swimming, which just made me think it's like, he, he went to five Olympics, right? So he was every cycle for 16 years, he was the biggest story, right. Mm-hmm. Of the cycle. And it's like, who's gonna, you know, you think of Caleb Dressel now, like Katie Ledecky's kind of up there, right. She's had three Olympics now, like people <laughs> kind of know who she is at this point. If you're an average sports fan, not even swimming mm-hmm. fan, but like even Caleb Dressel, it's like, you have to have two more Olympics, I think to, to be able to be in that same realm of your average sports fan, knowing who he is. To me, I like to think of it as hip hop status. And when people make um, sort of poetic or clever puns or references in hip hop music about swimming or diving or anything that could be or winning or gold or anything that could be related to an Olympic athlete, who do they go to? Mm-hmm. They go to Michael Phelps. And so that's when you know you've like transcended everything <laughs> when you get hip hop status. So we'll we'll see if we'll see who the next swimmer is. Ledecky doesn't status. rhyme with anything though. Ledecky is very hard to rhyme with. Ledecky rhymes with <laughs> Becky, rhymes with Stecky. I don't know. There is a song with Katie Ledecky in it. I, I've been pondering this for a while. And I think this is going to motivate me to do it, but I'm I'm going to use Lyrics Genius. Don't sing. Don't and sing. go through and <laughs> and look up all of the songs that swimmers are referenced in. Lochte is in a few. Phelps is in a ton. Ledecky's, sure. Ledecky, Ledecky definitely has at least one. I think Dressel might have one or two. I'd be impressed if Dressel had one or two. Yeah. Uh, all right. Other celebrities... <laughs> doing other interesting things. Sun Yang selling makeup. That's all I know. He made half a million (laughs) doing it. Loretta, please give us the scoop on this one. Yes. So obviously in his native China, he, over two days, it was five hours total. It was essentially like a quasi home shopping network kind of thing, like an infomercial kind of thing, but it was on TikTok, the Chinese version of TikTok, which I forget even what it's called. I wrote it down. Isn't TikTok um, Chinese? Yeah, I was going to no, say. It's no, 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 sorry. It's, it's some other like alternative Sun Yang version. I don't know. It was on something that he was touting Estee Lauder, SK2, like all these high-end, you know, luxury cosmetic brands, like in a duty-free shop somewhere. And like, was like just touting them and like saying, try this facial mask and this foundation. And yeah, it generated $4.72 million in sales while he was the dude in two days yeah and he netted his income reportedly was over 500k so there you go so he may not be in the pool maybe he is he probably is (laughs) i'm gonna say this in a nice way coleman don't clip this out and put it on instagram (laughs) that soon yang would develop to become a beauty icon at the end of his career might be the biggest glow up that we've ever seen in swimming. That was not what his reputation was early in his swimming career, to say Dude, the least. But Joseph Schooling, do you guys know he has his own skincare line? Hello? So he's, yes, you guys don't know that? Yeah. I, I guess I knew that, but Joseph so Schooling has always been a pretty boy. Sun Yang has not always been a pretty boy. To each his own, Brayden. Yeah. <laughs> I like, it's just... 
if Sun Yang can do that, like props to him. I would do it too if I could make 500k touting makeup. Is this, Loretta, this is closer to your world than than my world. Is is makeup bigger for men in Asian culture? That I don't know. Actually, that's a really good question. Like but, why is why do why are they using men to sell Estee Lauder? Is that? Normal? I think it's just his fame. I think it would okay. be like yeah. I honestly think it was just his facial recognition essentially. So he's a celebrity and he, it could have been wine or I don't know, shoes, something, but I think it just happened to be makeup. Cause that's what they wanted to sell that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're probably like, Hey, let's try wine next time. So <laughs> I think it must, it shows us how different the narrative on Sun Yang must be in China than what we see in the Western world. And yes. in- China yeah. is kind of a black box. We try to cover it when we can. It's hard. There's nobody in China you can reach for comment on anything. But, um, you know, ironically, on that note, there were they, the article that I had read inserted several comments from readers who were like, he should be nose to the grindstone. He's still got Paris. He should be swimming. He shouldn't be wasting his time doing this stuff. So not everyone was supportive. Not everyone you know, but there's st- that still shows they're generally supportive, yeah. right? They yeah, want yeah, 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 yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's yeah. a big contrast from commenters here, which would yeah. just be like, "Good thing he's out of the pool." Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about Su Yang more a little bit later in his swimming career. Uh, let's move on to college dual meets, though. We had a myriad of dual meets canceled. I was surprised at how many still happened. <laughs> like we reported about so many college dual meets getting canceled. And then lo and behold, we had 20 plus other reports about uh, NCAA college dual meets actually going off. So first off, I got to mention the Florida meet because we saw postgrads in action. We had Kayla Decky racing, Caleb Dressel racing, Natalie Hines, uh, along with obviously their star-studded collegiate swimmers. Uh, it, was anyone impressed with these swims? Caleb Dressel kind of looked mediocre. Kayla Decky went 915 in a thousand. It's kind of like... So that, that would win a lot of guys dual meets. Like it's just so fast. It's, it's still wild to me that Katie Ledecky can just like mid season, no competition, <laughs> just churn out at nine fifteen. That's any other woman on earth would just dream about swimming. It's, it's she's, she is, I don't know that we've ever, you know, we can argue about greatest ever. I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like her in swimming. She's, She's incredible. Dressel was not that fast. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to start gossip. I suspect that there was more going on with him with the cold and with missing ISL meets and the tattoo. And I think maybe he was out of the water for a while and is, is not, is just now getting back in. Making cool drone content with Jack Spitzer and Speedo. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I read an interview with him and Maxim, which, by the way, they spelled his name wrong in Maxim magazine, which I thought was so terrible. But anyway, but he, he again was just, you know, relishing that he and you know his wife got to actually take a honeymoon and this is the longest break he's ever had. And so I don't think it's a secret. I think he definitely is relishing and absorbing everything he did in Tokyo and good for him. Yeah. But, you know, again, as we keep saying, he's done this before, right? He's taken, mm-hmm. um, he's take, he takes his break every time he does something crazy. It seems like he <laughs> takes six months off and then comes back and reloads. So right, right. in, in Dressel, we trust and Caleb, we trust. <laughs> he's, he's got his style down. Uh, so that, that was, that was really exciting just to see 
those guys in action, the Gators, you know, are, are swimming fast a lot of the time now. Uh, we saw UVA and Virginia Tech split um, the UVA women cruise to win. And, but kind of surprisingly, the Virginia Tech men also cruise to a win, winning by like 70 plus points, I think. 74 points. Yeah, that was that was like the surprising result of the weekend to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really surprising to me that Virginia Tech won. I think they're a little deeper than the Virginia men. <clears throat> um, and I think I think Virginia Tech is better than they're getting credit for generally. As, you know, we see it in the butterfly group. Um, but I didn't see them winning by 74 points, um, especially because, you know, Virginia generally swims well in dual meets. So mm-hmm. that's that was sort of the shock result of the weekend for me. Um, I mean, it seems like Yusuf Ramadan is really he, a lot of times like freshman. He was a fast freshman last year and he kind of showed up um, at conference and he looked really good at NCAAs. But now he's kind of a lot of times you like freshman and then sophomore year, you just go way up. And it seems like he's taking that step where he was like, I think he anchored something or he split like 40. He led off the relay in 43, four, which is like a pretty dynamite dual meet time. Mm -hmm. Um, if he's in a, if he's in a brief, especially it's like he, he won two other events. I think it's like, he just, he, it looks like he's really coming into his own. And that's kind of what they needed, right? Like they needed a true star and with, with Sergio's sort of independent star power as a coach, this could be the moment that Virginia tech really takes off, which would be great. I would love to see one more good team in the ACC. The ACC has gotten so fun to watch. Um, You know, if you have NC state, Virginia, Virginia tech, Louisville, all in the top 10 in the country, that would be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're just getting better and better every year. Uh, speaking of other ACC teams, NC state, uh, took it to Duke. They beat them in a dual meet on Saturday and then they had some suited time trials on Friday, including Loretta, you want to fill us in? Yeah. So I always take note, especially of international swimmers that, you know, take part in the NCAA, which is a lot of them. Uh, and Nils Corsani um, from NC State threw down 1956. It was suited. It was Friday in that like time trial, dual meet precursor kind of thing. So 1956 fly split. But that is the third fastest 50-yard fly split and makes him number two performer behind Joe Schooling. So for him, I think that bodes well at this point in the season. And he was pretty happy about that. <laughs> We've seen fly sprinting, so. it seems like, in the last few years, just on the men's side, just get really good and really deep. I think the 100 fly is not like a race anybody's talking about in NCAAs, but that could be one of the better races this year. And he's, he's actually one of those kids that can definitely translate to long course, too. I mean, he holds Dutch records. You know, he you know, was at Tokyo Olympics. So he, I, I think that that's just athleticism on his part. I think that that's great um, that he's able to shine in both arenas. Well, I also feel like the men's hundred fly was, was like, it's consistently gotten faster and it's always continued to get faster, but then I feel like it doesn't get the hype that it deserves now because no one's going to break a record in it (laughs) (laughs) because no one's going 42, eight. Yeah. Like Caleb just ruined that one, but you know, it's like so many guys are going. 
44s and 43s now. And like, it's, it's got the bottom has gotten way faster, yeah, but, yeah. and, and that's why it was so exciting in like 15, 16, 17, 18, when, when people were breaking the records and, you know, like schooling was like, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go 43 this year. And then Tom did, and then he did, but then mm-hmm. Dressel went fat, you know, it's like, it was really <clears throat> exciting, but now it's like, well, yeah, you can win an NCAA title. You can go really fast, but, uh, don't it's put limits on anyone. For you. <laughs> you don't think Yusuf can get down to forty-two-eight by his senior year? I'm just saying this year. I'm saying this year. Okay. Uh, honestly, no, but I would love to. See <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think he can get to a forty-two something. That would be really cool if we saw a forty-two ninety-nine in the next three, in, within the next three NCAA's. That would that would shock me. He gets the bonus year if he wants it. Yeah, this bonus years. That's that's gonna play out for the next five years. It's gonna be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh any other college highlights for you all? Oh uh yeah, Auburn, Braden. Alabama, the iron bowl. Iron <laughs> doesn't do well in water, so maybe we shouldn't call it that. Um I think I think Auburn beating Alabama on the men's side is a big deal. And I think more people should take notice of that because I guess it depends on what narrative you ascribe to about the um, Gary Taylor to Ryan Walker Merka change. You know, the, the, the pro Gary Taylor people have been saying, Oh, next year was going to be the year he was getting his recruits in. It was going to be the year that, that Auburn made the turnaround. And, you know, in, in this sense, Wakamurka seems to be getting more out of a lot of the same swimmers than Gary Taylor was. So it seems like whether or not you, you think Gary should have gotten another year, it seems like the the switch has been a positive one. Um, and I think, I think Ryan is doing a great job at Auburn and I think Auburn's going to be back sooner rather than later. I don't know if they'll, they'll ever be the, the David Marsh Auburn again, but um, to me, that's a sign that Auburn is on the way back. Hmm. It's, it's really cool seeing, yeah, them kind of on the rise, especially because in the last three or four years, their women's team has been pretty solid, especially at the conference level until Um, last year. Yeah. And so it's, it's nice to see the men kind of coming back as well, hopefully, which is, which is not what Ryan Wakamurka's reputation was, right? Like he, at his last job was at Houston working only with the women. Yeah. So yeah, it'll, it, I think it'll be really fun to watch both those teams again under first year head coaches. And it seems like both teams are doing pretty good. Uh, I think that's all the college highlights we've got. And with that, let's play some sink or swim. First up today on sink or swim, Brent Hayden teased a bid for the 2024 Paris Olympics. It seems like he's back in the water. He's still loving it. He's doing good. So my question is, do we think he's going to make an international team this summer? Yeah. I mean, they, they've still got room for him on the relay, even with Josh Leando doing so well. I think they've, st- they at a minimum have room for him on relays. I think he can take a spot in the 50 free. I don't know if he will, you know, I think he might, he might just kind of become, you know, the the elder statesman of the Canadian team and focus on uh, on relays and where he can contribute and 
see if you can stack some more medals. You know, they've got a, they've got a little bit of a chance at a medal. I think in the 400 free relay, if Josh Leando keeps developing, he's, he kind of gives them the hammer. And I think they, they're, it's, it's, it's a reasonable expectation that they could contend for a bronze medal, which would be a huge deal in Canada if they won a relay medal on the men's side. I mean, they got so fourth, I'm right? Swimming. In Tokyo. Right. Ooh. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Wow. But it was a big gap, right? I think they yeah, were fourth, I, but it wasn't that close. Because they've uh, yeah. okay, so Brent 47.99, then they have Leando and Yuri Kassiller 48 lows, and then like one of their dudes like 49. I mean, like they don't, it's not like they have this stable full of, you know, 47, 48. I mean, that's actually why I'm swimming it because I think Brent absolutely is is it's almost he's the guy that you have to beat to get on the relays, quite honestly, for this summer. So I he's totally making it. Oh, they were only six tenths back of Australia. I'm surprised yeah. by that. Marcus, yeah. well, Thor- Marcus Thormeyer is the fourth relay leg. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, I mean, they were <clears throat> Brent let off in 47.99, which like Jesus, 37. Yeah. Like that's, that's and wild. Josh was 47.5. He's only going to get better. Yuri Kissel, 47.1. Marcus Thormeyer, 48.1. So like all yeah. really solid. And yeah. yeah, like they set a national record. They were only six tenths. Uh, back from Australia. Fun fact, if you Google Brent Hayden, one of the pictures that comes up is him with me when I was 18 years old. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So uh, there you go. But it seems like, (laughs) uh, yeah, I feel like Brent Hayden's going to be the Udonis Haslam of Team Canada. (laughs) He's just going to be there. Where's he, Tori when we need her? She'd love that reference. <laughs> I, might, I don't get it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> is, is for, for, for all the, he's an NBA player, the basketball player. He he's on the Miami heat. They basically pay him to be a veteran and to like bring oh. for the locker room and to bring wisdom. He, he plays was once like, a very good player. And now he's, he plays like cool. two. You yeah. I know, but you guys are totally writing them off. The question was this summer. And yeah, I, I think, I think you'll make the team this summer for sure. Yeah, right. But his yeah. back, you know, that backs, are, backs are a problem. Backs, backs can cripple. He you can dive bad. off the block. He can dive yeah. off the block. Yeah, I guess. He, he, yeah. I think, I think the difference for Canada, I would, I don't know, whatever Marcus wants to do, Marcus wants to do, but I'd love to see Marcus Thormeyer, drop the backstrokes for a year, focus fully on the hundred free and see if they can get a relay medal. Other comeback stories uh, on the swim, swam poll this week, we, it was an overwhelming majority that Ryan held would bounce back and make the 2022 world champs team. Do we see that happening for Mr. Held, uh, especially after his move to Arizona state? I'm swimming this all day long, <laughs> regardless of the move to Arizona state. You know, I, I just think he was, he was doing so well and had a bad beat. And I think too often, especially in this country where, where the, the sport is so deep, somebody has one bad meet and we consider their career over. And sometimes that's true, right? Like sometimes that's the end. Um, but I think, I think he's still got 47 mid 47 low relay splits in him. And I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be on the finals relay at the world championships. I'm swimming it as well, only because like you just said, I mean, everyone has a bad swim, a bad meet. I, I don't know anyone who writes off the swimmer from one bad meet. Who does that? <laughs> our, our readers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, lots of, lots of, Shame on them. lots of people. 
Um, Shame on them, but he will be back. He already is back. He's, he's thrown out some good times. And yeah, I mean, he, he just came off of winning short course world titles, which we saw him do a lot of in 2018 as well. I think he is like, he's a good swimmer, short course and long course. I think he's really good at short course. And so long course would be a little harder just because it's a little more competitive, I think, whereas he is better than some other American swimmers at short course, but well, yeah. and the, the, the bit, the almost, there's almost another part of this question to me, which is are Bo Becker and, um, and, uh, Brooks Curry going to be able to recapture their magic. You know, mm-hmm. Brooks was great at the trials. He earned his spot. His leadoff split in prelims was 48, eight. So, you know, <clears throat> it, it, so again, the opposite of what we all just said, sometimes it's, you have one magic swim, you make your Olympic team and that's it. You know, Bo Becker was ready to retire. He had a great Olympic trials. He swam on the Olympic final. He got a gold medal. Is, is he going to be able to capture, you know, we've told the story about how he was busting tables and wasn't sure, you know, he was done swimming and he got back into it and he made the team, you know, can he capture that magic magic again, especially with his um, arthritis? We don't know. So I think there are there are spots available too, which is an important part of the equation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always going to be a competitive field, especially in Hell's events, which is primarily the hundred free long course. But yeah, I think he's got a good shot. Moving on, uh, <laughs> Braden, you published my favorite article of the day today, which is uh, Tennessee settled a swim off situation with playing a uh, reaction time cup game. And do we think that this is a good way to, to settle swim offs? I think it's, I think it's a fun way to settle swim offs. As I was watching it, I was sh- shocked that that game never results in head to head contact. So they must, they must like practice their cup game technique because I know if I was doing that game, the first thing I would do would be throw my head at the cup. Yeah. Um, so you can tell that they've, they've practiced that. I think it's a fun way to do it, especially at a kind of a mid season meet where a final B final doesn't make much of a difference. Nobody was keeping score at the, the Tennessee invite. So I'm swimming creative ways to settle swim offs. Yeah. Same here. I'm swimming. I, I like the energy. <laughs> I, but you know what else I'm swimming? I am swimming when there's a 10 lane pool, putting everybody in the final. Oh, I'm. So everybody I'm gets all a trophy. Yeah. Everybody gets a trophy. That's no, great not everybody gets a trophy. That's so but, awesome. But everybody gets. <laughs> Elaine is a trophy. Elaine is a trophy. It's not they a trophy. You don't get eight. a trophy. Whatever, Loretta. That's a. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do wish if they were if they did a ten lane prelims, they would do a ten lane finals. <clears throat> Okay, Brayden, schedule is the same every year. It has to be the same schedule. Now you want to change up how they do the lanes. Like, whatever. Whatever, back to you. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> next, Coleman. All right, next up. Uh, we heard from Nick Fink on the podcast. Uh, he is now pursuing his master's at Georgia Tech in electrical engineering. He has been training with Georgia Tech. It's it's a lot looser of a training schedule than when he was a full-time swimmer at Georgia. He, you know, he talks about how it's a lot more sprint and power focused, how he's thinking about more technique, how some weeks he's just like, listen, I'm not, I'm going to be at five practices this week. Cause I have to do homework or I have to do this, that, or the other thing. 
He had a crazy fall with the ISL and then with World Short Course Championships. And he walked away by winning, by sweeping the breaststrokes in the ISL final and winning three medals in the breaststrokes at World Short Course Championships. <clears throat> Do we think that it hurts or helps um, a veteran career or someone who is a veteran in the sport to be a full-time swimmer? Or do you think it helps to have, you know, something on the side like school and take it less seriously? I like all of the things you just said, but my worry is that you get sort of a short-term return from this. That's hard to sustain. Um, you know, and I think, I think that it can work for the first season, the first season and a half, but I think trying to do that for a three plus year cycle to the Olympics, I think eventually the, the base that you were kind of leeching off of after the Olympics will erode enough that it becomes challenging. I do like the mental aspect of having a distraction because I think, I think pro swimmers can get so much into swimming that they, they're just like, tense and ready to snap. And we see them snap. Sometimes we see, we see in our DMS them snap sometimes. So I think having something else, um, to think about can be a good thing for a swimmer. And I, I like all of those things you said. Um, but in terms of when you have to show up at one meet and be top two to make the Olympic team, I think that's a tough way to do it into a new Olympics. But again, this is a new world, right? You can make a career being an ISL swimmer. So he can do his, his master's degree and continue racing ISL if he wants to, to pay for his master's degree and good for him. Was Katie Miley, did she do law school? Was that after her I career? Be I or believe wasn't she, she doing part of it. I think she, she did a year of law school or two before she retired from swimming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's in, in the yeah. Madison Kennedy. And she did well, right? She yes, swam yes. really well. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And the Madison yes. Kennedy obviously has a lot of other things throughout her career that she was doing. So I honestly think it's up. These swimmers know themselves. They know what's in their DNA. They know what they need. So I feel like you know we can kind of speculate. But Nick is obviously doing what's best for Nick, and I I'm swimming that. I feel like Loretta's point also kind of supports Braden's point of, or at least your examples. Um, you know, they we've seen Madison Kennedy, Katie Miley do have other things on the side and still have success, but not at like an Olympic level. Um, you know, like Katie, when Katie Miley did really well at the Olympics, she was like swimming, you know, full time. Um, I mean, so in that's, some that's respects, an interesting point. What's interesting for, from a U.S. perspective is that we now have Michael Andrew, you know, it, again, I could be very wrong. And Nick Fink could go a 57 high training this way, in, in which case, great. But if that doesn't happen, if I'm right, and, and his <clears throat> success kind of hovers around 59 low in long course, then it's, it's all in on Michael Andrew, um, because Andrew Wilson is essentially retired from international swimming is what we've sort of been told. Um, and there's, you know, there's a few young guys behind him, Josh Matheny, who is still adapting at Indiana, hasn't been a best time at Indiana yet. So we'll see what happens there. I guess Indiana does breaststroke So in, in two and a half years with some time, he could come around and get there, but you know, there's not an obvious guy to contend with Michael Andrew for that spot. And so pressure ramps up on, on Michael to be the guy in the hundred breaststroke. So we'll see how that plays out. <clears throat> uh, all right. Circling back to Sun Yang. Do we think that his, do we think it will be legal for him to compete 
in the 2024 Olympics. <laughs> by whose definition? Dude. <laughs> I'm swimming it by Chinese standards because I honestly think that they will, come hell or high water, find a way for that man to swim. His suspension does end May 2024. Um, but it's under I, review right now, right? Because of the yeah. whole, he swam in a pool that was government- we... I, I, you always have to take whatever comes out of Chinese swimming with a grain of salt because there's so much animosity, both from, from others within China and from the Western world towards Sun Yang, that sometimes people can take a small thing and make it sound like a much bigger thing. <clears throat> so I always take that sort of, you know, what could, what does under review mean? Does under review mean that somebody sent FINA an email and FINA said, Okay, we'll look at this because Fina sends me emails like that all the time, and usually I don't get a response. So, like, you know, what does what does under review really mean? I don't know. I think as long as he's in the pool and he's training, I, they don't have that many. I don't. I'm trying to think of even one Chinese. There's nobody obvious. To I, yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly, exactly. certainly, he wouldn't get beat out for a spot. Right, 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 right. So that's what I'm saying. So I, I think. I think the slot is his if it's, mm -hmm. if it's, you know, if they shoe him in. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. He's going to be there. Right. <laughs> well, what, what I think people forget about Sun Yang is we've all gotten so caught up in the, the doping suspensions that he had a beautiful stroke. You know, whatever benefits he received to, to break the world record, he, he had the stroke to go with it. You know, he had a outstanding technique when he was breaking the world record. So it's, you know, it's not like he's just going to disappear if, if he's being tested more, you know, I, what I'm trying to dance around saying is like, he has a justifiable excuse for all of his doping. And I know that the popular sentiment is Son Yang was doped to his gills. And that's the only reason he broke a world record. Mm -hmm. But, but the point I'm trying to make is if I started doping today, I'm not going to break a world record. He was, if the doping put him over the edge, fine. But he had a world-class gold medal stroke regardless. And so right. that that still gives him a chance. Yep. All right. Uh, assuming Sun Yang is in Paris, sink or swim, does he win a medal? Swim. Ooh. Really? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> just swim. I, do, I just think the 400 is vulnerable. I think the full 400 has enough room. Oh, but you, you think he can, you think he can go 342 yeah. to metal? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sinking the metal. I think he'll final. I think he would final. I'm sinking the metal. I can't say the 200 because I don't think he has a 143 in him still. And I sold out hard on, on the <laughs> yes, 143 was, last year. Yes. Last week, so. Yes. I can't say 200, but I think, I think 400 or even 800. I think he'd have a shot in the 800. He wouldn't swim the 800. He's what done. if he goes He's open water? He what if he goes open that. water? He's not Greg. <laughs> His makeup He's... would melt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. He's there's no, I mean, he does, he didn't swim the mile since what 2013 because he he missed yeah, the he final still doing for getting into a fight in 2015. <laughs> he was doing the 800 still. He got in a fight yeah. with a locker. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. He's going to final. I don't think he's going to medal. 